You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Second Chronicles chapter number 33 tonight. I was looking at the time and I got up to speak. It's 515 right now. We've only been in church 15 minutes. And not that it, I don't know if that seems long or what, but uh, I've had a good time already. But I'm thinking, man, I think I've got a 20-minute message here, 25. So you're going to be getting out probably early tonight. Unless I just start feeling it and we just end at, like Paul did at midnight. And... Uh, you're like, well, Pastor, it's not on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Any other Sunday? No, we're, um, we're going to preach and just let the Lord do what he wants. Second Chronicles chapter 33. I want you to look at verse 1. We're not doing our, uh, just in case you're wondering, we're not doing the uh, touchy topics tonight. Figured I'd skip that for Super Bowl Sunday week. And I thought about just teaching on the, you know, the importance of faithfulness to church. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, it'd be good. Verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Can you imagine that? A, a king ruling the land at 12. Can you imagine if our president next year was 12 years old? A lot of jokes coming to mind, but I will leave them where they lie. When he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Notice what it, what it says he was doing. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. And he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. Also he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused, and that's not a good thing. That's not like, oh, he's doing something for the Lord. No, he's, he's building false idols. Uh, 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 he's building opportunities for people to worship stars and, and, uh, and, and false idols. And you'll see that just a little bit here as well for Balaam and other things. And he caused his children, verse 6, to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for, all, for your fathers, so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinance by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen, whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wow. So if you don't know, Manasseh's dad was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good man. Hezekiah, at the end of his life, made a mistake, and I'm sure he made many mistakes, but when you look at Hezekiah and the things that are said about Hezekiah, 
boy, I mean, it just seems like, the, you know, God had a, a special touch on his life, on Hezekiah. But now his son is ruling and his son undo, undoes everything that his dad did. His dad came through the land and cleared out all the altars, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the places where people could serve false gods. He said, get them out. There's only one true God. Manasseh comes to reign. He says, let's bring them back. Notice, if you would, again, verse 3, he built again the high places. In the middle of the verse, he reared up altars. Verse 4, also, he built altars in the house of the Lord. Verse 5, and he built altars for the host of heaven. Man, he's building altars everywhere. What's an altar? An altar is a place of consecration. An altar is a place of sacrifice. They would do literal sacrifices there. An altar is to be a place of thanksgiving. It was a place of worship. It was a place of praise. It was a place of reflection and, and, and meditation. It was a place of real, really communion with God. Oftentimes altars were used to commemorate a special encounter that people had with God. But you see, the problem was Manasseh was building the wrong altars. And that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes tonight, building the wrong altars. Father, we ask your blessings now upon the message, upon your word, as it goes forth. Holy Spirit, would you just take the seed thoughts of the word of God tonight and just plant them right in our hearts and minds where they can germinate, where they can take root, where they can produce fruit in our lives. And we depend upon you for that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When Noah came out of the ark, the first thing he did was to build a house for himself and his family. No, it wasn't. In fact, the first thing he did was to build an altar. It was an altar of thanksgiving for what God had done. In Genesis 12, 7 and 8, Abram built an altar after having that special encounter with God where he told him he was going to make of him a great nation. It was not unusual in the book of Genesis for people to build altars to God. They were commemorating special encounters with God that had profound impacts upon them. In Genesis 26, Isaac built an altar. In Genesis 35, Jacob built an altar. In 1 Chronicles 21, David made an altar. In Judges 6, Gideon made an altar. And they were building altars and worshiping God after they each had some unique encounters with God. Why? They were commemorating what God did. They were taking time out of their busy schedules to worship and praise God and have that communion with him. That's what they were doing. Usually the altar was built to show someone's desire to fully consecrate themselves to the Lord. I want to say that again. Altars were built oftentimes to, to show someone's desire to be fully consecrated to the Lord. They wanted to express thanks. They wanted to call upon God's name. In the book of 1 Kings, the altars for the Lord needed to be fixed. No one, no one was keeping up with the altars Elijah comes on the scene, and during the Mount of Carmel confrontation, he rebuilds the altar, and the fire of the Lord falls on it. In Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, God even commanded that altars would be built. It was after he de delivered his people in a miraculous way, he told them to build altars. When the temple was built, and God gave specific instructions, he gave specific instructions on how the altar, the brazen altar, the altar was to be built. When Solomon built the, built the temple, he made it of pure gold. 
But here we have a man in Manasseh. And he's not building the altars that God says to build. He's not repairing the altars that that his dad had set up. No, he's destroying those and he's building the wrong ones. Uh, Again, an altar, a place of consecration, a place of worship, a place of communion, a place of uh, of thanksgiving to God. That's what an altar is. And what I want to say tonight is we ought to build some altars in our lives. We ought to have times and places in our life that are sacred, that are consecrated, that are times of worship, that are times of praise. And I think the, the, just the most wonderful thing about being a New Testament Christian is the fact that we don't have to wait for specific times to be able to commune with God. We can go to God anytime, all the time, all day long. In fact, Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He tells us to abide in him. You know what that means? It means to live in Christ. It means that as you walk out of the building tonight, you are still in Christ and Christ in you. And when you get in your car tonight, you are still in Christ and Christ is in you. And when you watch the Super Bowl tonight, Christ is in you and you are in Christ. No matter where you go, he's with you, you're with him. Boy, what a blessing. What an incredible thing that you can abide in the presence of Jesus every day. But I do believe as much as that's important, you do still have to go to work. You do still have to go to the grocery store. You do still have to go to the gas station. And, there's, and you can't keep your nose in the Bible 24-7. I get that. But I want to say tonight that there ought to be specific times in your life where you're building an altar to the Lord. At altars, we are worshiping God. At altars, we are consecrating ourselves. And again, I'm not talking about a a literal altar here, okay? We call this the altar, but it's not a a literal altar. It's steps. We get that. We sing the song in our songbook, is your all on the altar? Is your all on the altar? I want to just say we need to see the importance tonight in three things. We need to see the importance of building a personal altar. We need to see the importance of building a personal altar. Go to Romans, please. Romans 12. And I'm going to read you verses you've heard a hundred times. Romans 12, please. But keeping in mind the idea of the altar as you read this verse, I think, really helps you understand what Paul is saying here. Romans chapter 12. If we look at verses 1 and 2. Keeping in mind a personal altar. Paul says here in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That verse 1, he tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Every heart in this room has an invisible altar where the flesh and the spirit are fighting. And every day of our lives, you know what we have to do? Every day of our lives, we got to take that flesh and we got to put it on the altar. And we got to say, I'm slaying this i got to put my will on the altar every day. I've got to say, Lord Jesus, just as you prayed, not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to pray like the Apostle Paul when he said, I die daily. 
I put myself on the altar every day. I'm crucified with Christ. And that's what we're doing. Every day we're choosing to pick up the cross and follow him by having that personal altar. It's a, it's a, it's a daily thing. It's the flesh being put on the altar. It's the will being put on the altar. But I want to just say every day in your life you've got to go back to the altar you got to go back to the place of worship. You've got to go back to the place of, of consecration. You've got to go back to the place of separation. You've got to go back to the place of sanctification. you got to do it every day. Look, and I'm talking about now building that altar. And, and, and what we're really referring to there is a personal time between you and the Lord every day. A personal time, and, and we often just say Bible and prayer, right? But it's, it's a communication where you're coming to God, taking his word, and saying, Lord, I'm not just trying to get through two chapters or three chapters today, or my Bible list today, but I'm trying to let this book wash me and cleanse me and make me look more like Jesus. That's what I'm doing today. And then I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm going to pray to be more like Christ, and I'm going to fervently pour out my heart and fervently pray to God for things That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That altar. And you keep going back. And then tomorrow, guess what? You get up and you go back to it again. And then the next day you wake up and you get up and you you go back to it again. And then the next day, it's repetitive. You do the same thing. When prayers aren't being answered, you go back to the altar. When life is falling apart, you go back to the altar. When your team loses in the Super Bowl, you go back to the altar. Maybe I ought to go more frequently. <laughs> you just keep going back. Can I ask you, uh, uh, this place that represented time with God, communion with God, where is your altar? Maybe it's in your car at lunch, and you build a mini altar, and you get your Bible out, and you sing praises to God, and you read the Word of God, and you pray. Maybe it's in a room in your house or apartment. Well, where is your altar? Where's your altar? I remember I was driving down the road. I was at the, I was at the stop sign of uh, uh, Cherry and South going towards probably Starbucks or something that way and, uh, a couple years ago. And I remember pulling up to, next to this old car. I mean, you, you know a car is old when the air conditioning is rolling down the windows. You know what I mean? And this car was that old and the lady had the windows. And I, I remember pulling up to the gas station to hear this loud, like, squeaking sound. Squawking. I would say squawking. You ever heard like a bird like squawk? And I was like, through the windows, I was like, what am I hearing? And so, you know, I roll my window down and I see the car uh, uh, next to me over here. There's this little old lady in the car. Tiny lady. And she had like, her hair was just sticking straight up everywhere. And she had her windows down and she was singing to the top of her voice. I praise you, Jesus, over and over and over. And I was like, Miss Ruth, you need to... No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm just kidding, Miss Ruth. But she was... I'm sorry. We love Miss Ruth. I got to give her a hard time, though. But... uh... (laughs) But it was... No, this was an old lady. This is not Miss Ruth. And... uh... And man, I, t- I was just so, I, I, at first I was like, whoa, wow, that's a squawky boy. And then it was just like, why aren't you praising me like that? Why are you ashamed and have your windows up as you sing? Okay. 
<laughs> she had an altar in that car. She was at the stoplight with her hands up in the car. It looked like she's got pulled over. I'm like, hey, I love it. Still remember it. When is your altar? When's your time with God? Does he get time with you every day? He wants it. How is your altar? Could it be better? Is it improving or is it deteriorating because you're not keeping you're not keeping up with the altar. You're letting moss grow on the altar. The stones are cracking. D.L. Moody said every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. You want God to move in your life, you want God to do something great. How's your altar? Secondly, I want to encourage you to see the importance and build a family altar. Build a family altar. Look at verse, well, you're not there, but uh, you're, you're in Romans, but the verse where, the chapter where we were in 2 Chronicles, if you remember, uh, it's okay, we don't need to go back there. Um, it said in verse 1 that now Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Why was he 12 when he began to reign? Because his dad died. Manasseh did not have his dad through the critical teenage years of life. And Manasseh must have listened to somebody the wrong way, the wrong counselor or something, for a 12-year-old to be like, I want to worship idols. Something was wrong. Actually, I will have us go back there. Would you go back to 2 Chronicles? I said I wouldn't, and I will. 2 Chronicles 33, because there's a few things there that I want us to see. 2 Chronicles 33, back where we were. He was 12 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. I want you to notice a few other verses here. It says in verse 6, And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He made his sons pass through, through the fire. He sacrificed a son to an idol. They, if, you, if you study out Molech and, and different Old Testament false gods, it's, it's just a cruel, disgusting, debauched way of living that they had. They would take children and they would have this idol that would be set up with his hands out, sometimes at a slant. They'd place a living baby on this, fire, on this altar that's in the fire. It's heated. It's a heated, burning, boiling thing, and they'd place a baby there to burn and die. It would sometimes fall off into the fire. Wickedness. And we wonder why God destroyed nations, you know, destroyed people, this kind of stuff. And he partook in those rituals and sacrifices. A a, a man of Israel, a Hebrew, did that. But I tell you what, I don't think he understood the importance of a family altar. You know, some of us stood at a wedding altar and we made some promises. That altar was sacred. We better keep those promises. I want to encourage you to remember that altar and go back to it and remind yourself. A family altar. When it comes to your children, there needs to be a family altar. You know, everybody wants to train our children nowadays. The public schools want to train our children. I refuse. I refuse to let the public school train my children. I, re- I refuse to let Taylor Swift raise my children. I refuse to let uh, uh, some celebrity raise and rear my children and teach my children. I I refuse. No, they're not going to rear, raise or rear my children. That's not going to happen. Because they, they all are telling us how to live. You know, you think about kids that, from, they say from two to four years old, kids can pick up languages just so easily. For those of us that are older and trying to learn it, a little bit harder. 
But what makes us think that when they're watching things of the world, they're not picking up on some of that too? They're picking up on those things. We cannot allow the world to train our kids. That's why we have a Christian school. But I'll tell you this, it's not the school's job to raise your kids for God either. We're going to educate them. And, and uh, in our Christian school, we do our best to, to, to teach them the word of God and, and English and science and all of that. But there needs to be a family altar. There needs to be a time where you sit down with your spouse and you commune and worship together. Or you get your family together. You have children and you sit down and you commune with God and worship together. And you talk about the things of life and you talk about the importance of serving God. There needs to be that. If you've got the personal altar, there needs to be the family altar. And I want to say thirdly, they need to see the, we need to see the importance of building the church altar. Well, pastor, where are you going to build it? I'm not talking literal here. I'm talking about using the altar. Verses 4 and 5. Also, he built altars in the house of the Lord. Whereof the Lord had said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Instead of building the right kind of altar, he's built the wrong altars in the house of God. Altars were where, th- where things go to die where things go to be sacrificed. Uh, Things would be offered up on the altar. And that's why Paul said, present your bodies on the altar. Let your will die. Let your flesh die. And that you can live unto Christ and you live in the Spirit. But we have an altar in our church. It doesn't have to be right here. We call this the altar where you can come pray. But the altar can be where you're seated right now. But there is an altar. There is a place for you to make decisions. I think back in my life and all the great decisions and the things that God has done in my life at an altar. At an altar. I sat in church. I remember as a teenager sitting in church, I'd I'd gotten right with God. But then after all this time, I just started slowly, slowly, you know, just losing the wonder of it all. I remember sitting in church and my pastor was preaching on the book of Acts. And I just sat there and thought, "I'm I'm just backslidden. I'm just not where I ought to be. He wasn't even preaching on it. And I'm just like... And I, couldn't, I could not wait. I was like, Pastor, please stop talking. Some of you feel that way right now. But I was like, Pastor, just finish the message because I want to go to the altar and I want to get right with God. I want to start praying. And I remember as soon as he got that, it was a Wednesday night message and I was just right down to the altar. Why? Because God was doing something. There's nothing magical about praying here. But I want to say the altar is symbolic of saying I'm surrendering something. And at church, there ought to be, I'm laying aside something. I'm leaving my burdens at the altar. I'm giving my sin to God. I'm surrendering my life to God. Many times in my life, I've been in a service where I was like, I cannot wait till this service is over because I need to talk to God. I need to talk to the Lord. And I want to encourage you in your personal life, there, there needs to be a time every day where you have that personal time with God where you're at the altar. If you have a family, spend that time with your spouse or with your kids or by yourself, whatever it is, at the altar. And then lastly, at the church, there ought to be an altar. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Take your sin to the altar and leave it there. Take your will to the altar and leave it there. Take your flesh to the altar and leave it there. Take your habits to the altar and leave them there. You see, here's what happens. When you come to the altar, God alters you. Different spelling. When you come to the altar, 
God alters you. By you coming to God and saying, God, I'm here, change me. God says, I'll change that. I will alter that person because they're submitted and they're at the altar. Can I ask you tonight, is your all on the altar? Is your all on the altar? Maybe some of you, you've got some burdens and cares and worries that are sitting right here on your shoulders. And what you need to do is come tonight and say, nope, I'm leaving them right here for you, Jesus. Here they are. You, you, you take care of them because your burden is easy and your yoke is light. Maybe some of you have had some sinful habits and things that just you can't get victory over. And you need to come tonight and just take them off and say, Lord, I'm giving these to you. Some of you maybe been fighting God on some things and he's trying to get you to go this way and you're wanting to go this way. He's trying to get you to do this. You're trying to do that. And you ought to come tonight and say, you know what, Lord, my will is on the altar tonight. My will. Do you need that tonight? Have you built some altars in your life?